Funny, we should ever actually record an official theme song. Yeah, you like it? I do. I like it. <laughs> cool. Welcome. How are you doing? Uh, it's been a weird couple days. Right? Yeah, so, How welcome. About you? Oh, yeah. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. I'm here. Welcome to Fan Fantastic, where we are. Just tastic, maybe freaking who knows. <laughs> Always fans. Always fans. <laughs> Not only fans. Not only just, fans. Just always fans. Not but, that there's anything wrong with only fans. We just happen to not be part of only fans. That's right. We do not make enough money to pay our rent. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. Right, and we're doing a tiny mini soap because Hannah is just tiny gremlins in her brain that are thrashing at the gray matter right so yes we're pausing on our regularly scheduled (laughs) whatever planned um (laughs) episode and taking a tiny detour while she battles the evil gremlins that are attempting to squeeze her brain matter out yep. of her ears. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we always remember that. Um, Don't yawn. You're going to make uh, me tired, and I'm already tired all the time, dude. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, I'm good. I got to use uh, my, my world's best boss mug that you got me for Christmas. I used it today at work and, and made sure that it faced out to everybody so they could read it on the Zoom. Well, that's good because everybody knows that the best way to let everyone know that you are the best boss <laughs> is by providing your own boss that tells everyone or providing your own mug that tells everyone that you're the best. Yep. That's right. Despite my utter lack of power at work. <laughs> and, I mean, being nowhere near a boss cool my mug today said my people skills are rusty and it wasn't wrong so okay so I feel that so deeply I feel like since we've been in isolation eternal lockdown (laughs) total lockdown I feel like since we've done that I have forgotten to people like, did we ever know how to people? I oh, mean, maybe you did. I didn't know oh, how to people. I, I've never known how to people. I, I, well, I mean, even with just friends. Okay, so I'll give you an example, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I went and dropped off the the cross stitch I made for Hannah, right? Okay. And I, I put it at her doorstep, and I stepped back about, you know, 12 feet, and uh, she came to the door and opened it, and I was so stunned to be standing there with another human being that like I couldn't think of anything to say and this is Hannah we text constantly right like every every day in our group text we talk at least a couple times a day right Mm -hmm. and uh 
and I, I, she was just like, Hey, so how you doing? And I was like, I'm good. How are you? She's like, you know, work. And I was like, yeah, work. <laughs> cool. And like my brain couldn't function. I didn't know how to be around a real life person. <laughs> like, <laughs> nice. So I'm sure Hannah was like, well, that was fucking weird. Because it was, because I didn't know how to behave. Like, I don't know how to people anymore, you know? You don't know how to, like, in-person people anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I feel that. <sighs> Man, I'm... You're making me tired, and I still have to do things. I have to do shit, Ashley. <laughs> you do. <laughs> you have to do shit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I will okay. make you not tired anymore. I mean, telling you a you, fantastic story. You can't really make me not tired <laughs> unless you are, you know, like a shit ton of prescription drugs that are meant to do that. And even those only make me not tired for like four hours. So good luck. But I would love to hear a story to perk me up. So let's do this. Tell me stories. Oh, I lied. I don't have one. Well, shit, son. <laughs> I was all ready for an exciting story, and then you just Sorry. lied straight to my face. And now I'm really sad. Tell you, and... What if I told you a completely average story? No, now I need an exceptional, exciting story. And I can't, I can't get a sad story and or a regular average story. I need an exceptional story. I need an exceptional story. I need for you to tell me, you know, the most amazing story you've ever heard. I need you to tell me that if I'm convicted, that up to something that no story can live up to. I mean, it could, it could, but I guess it couldn't. I mean, I feel like you're getting into, like, quote-unquote, the greatest story ever told, quote-unquote, you know, but I, I could tell you that story, but it's really not that interesting. Fine. You know the greatest story ever told. You've seen that movie, right? Yes. Well, see, there you go. It's not that interesting. It, it wasn't. No. Um. Okay, so here's a, a story. story. I'm going to tell you a great story. Okay. Okay. So, um, yesterday, uh, my mom went to feed her cat Jasper because he can only eat in small increments. And she's mm-hmm. like, Jasper, are you ready to eat? And she couldn't find him. So she called out. She's like, Jasper, are you there? And then we hear him from like way down the hallway and he's running, right? So, <laughs> so the sound is punctuated by his little footy steps and he's Mm -hmm. meowing so from all the way down the hallway and around the corner and into the room we hear (laughs) he meowed the whole time and it was like bumpy because he was running (laughs) it was like a 15 second long meow it was amazing it was like an airplane or something It was fantastic. So there you go. That is amazing. That's my story. (laughs) Okay. That's a pretty, that's a pretty solid story. Um, I wish I had 
audio of this so that I could play it when I'm sad and down. <laughs> you could always just ask because... me and I'll I'll call you up and go. That's true. That could also work for me. Um, I'm down for that. Cool. Okay. So I have I have a question for okay. you. Um, so you know how every year right, it's a new year and people make New Year's resolutions that are usually, you know, stupid yeah. things. Like, you know, I'm gonna like lose weight this year, which is a stupid fucking goal. Like, just do that. <laughs> because it. I mean, seriously. Like, I, I, you know. I agree with you that um, New Year's resolutions put too much pressure on a person. I, I agree with you. Exactly. My resolution right. every year like, has always been to drink more wine. But honestly, with the isolation of this year, if I make that resolution this year, I'm going to start drinking to an unhealthy degree. So I'm not. That's not yeah. my resolution this year. My resolution is uh, is no resolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, like, I know. Like one year, I was like, "I'm gonna cuss less." <laughs> yeah, that also like that's adorable. My that's adorable. Right, <laughs> I know. Yeah. So, um, there was an article that was mm-hmm. published that you know, basically, it was like, you know, 2021 is turning into. I started off basically as much of a shit show as 2020 has been. So why bother setting yourself some like completely fucking pointless, you know? Yeah. New Year's resolution, like I want to lose weight, which is you know bullshit anyway. Or I want to you know eat less carbs, or I'm going to, you know, try to climb every mountain in the in the world. So they were like, you should have. You know, <laughs> what <laughs> we are, we are cornbread and popcorn, apparently. <laughs> Who knows? Which she's four, it's cool. Which one of us is popcorn? I don't know. Um, I'm gluten free, so I'm gonna go with I am popcorn. Okay, um. Although I guess I could also be cornbread because I'm with corn. But anyway, so they're like, you should say if you're going to have a New Year's resolution, which, you know, why even bother? Have something that's manageable. Like in 2021, I'm going to at some point put on pants. <laughs> yes. All right. At some point, I will put on a bra. At some point, I am going to talk to another yeah. person <laughs> right right mm-hmm. so set some kind of small manageable okay. goal so like someone was like this year my commitment is i am going to learn how to place a napkin in my lap when i eat oh that's a really good that's my goal and i was like you know what this i support this kind if you're gonna make a year's resolution yeah. That's a solid plan. plan. Okay, so then what would your reasonable New Year's resolution be? Hmm. I think mine, if I was going to make one, which I don't because I think they're bullshit, um, I think mine would be that I am, I would, um, 
Do you want to think? Only use. I would only use cloth napkins. Only use cloth napkins. Okay. Because you, you know the environment needs help. Extra yep. paper and. That's a mm-hmm. good one. I get that one. That's, That's that. Right. I'm down. I'm down. That's yeah. a good one. Do you have Do you have I enough cloth napkins me. to last you guys for like a week? I mean, I have a sewing machine, so I can make them. That's very true. Yeah. I'm not yawning. <laughs> no, you're definitely not yawning. Um. Okay, what would mine be? I think I will make my attainable New Year's resolution to get rid of clothing that I'm not, I'm realistically not going to wear again. That is a you solid know, one. Like you always keep the stuff from like 10 years ago and you're like, oh, I'll wear this again. But you don't. <laughs> no. You never no. do. So I could do that and get I can get rid of clothing. I have too much of it. And I wear like the same six t-shirts and four pants. Like that's it. <laughs> like I just wear the same things over and over again. So I can get it. I have many t-shirts, but I, I'm attached to them. I don't want to get rid of them. Although I have gotten rid of most of them because they don't, you know. Hi, Riff Raff. Riff Raff says hi. What up? I'm sure he's very excited. Everyone's very excited that Riff Raff is here. So I... He brings a lot to the conversation. I think that's a yeah. solid plan. Yeah. I've uh, been re-watching Buffy. Me too. Where are you on Buffy? We just started season three. Faith nice. is about to show up. Excellent. So speaking of, um, we are actually starting a new podcast um, that is solely about Buffy. We are. Not well. Not you. <laughs> oh. I am with uh, the other Sarah. Oh, I love Sarah. Yes, so Sarah Squared is going to be doing a Buffy podcast where we start from the beginning and discuss Buffy and its real world um, applications in terms of like feminism and um, things like that. So yeah, that's going to be starting like really soon. So we've been we've been rewatching Buffy from the beginning as well. As as has my mom, who you totally can. For sure. Um, and my mom started watching it because she had other things to watch too. So we've all been like rewatching Buffy from my the beginning. Mom's watching it too. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this show is old, right? Because <laughs> they're, in, they're in the computer lab and these computers look really old. Yeah. It's like, yeah. 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 There's like, it's like late 90s, right? Yeah. I'm like, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's how old this show is. Floppy disk. Uh, there's mm-hmm. just so much rampant sexism <laughs> taking place. Oh in yeah, the of every episode, it's bad, it's super bad. <laughs> and so many baby doll dresses. Like I forgot how many baby doll dresses. <laughs> like in addition to the rampant sexism and um, like misogyny, um, the number of baby doll dresses and spaghetti straps. straps and. And okay, boot cut well, jeans. 
<laughs> that are book up pants that are happening is it's all I wear. This is true. I know. But these are like low cut yeah. boot cut. Like low rise boot cut. No, you don't wear a low rise boot cut. I wear mid rise boot cut. No. I don't want my ass to spill out every time I, I know. lean over. Exactly. I never like whale sensible. Yeah. It's not a good look for anyone. Well, I get it yeah. if you're like attracted to the the whale tail you know yeah but I don't want to see anybody's (laughs) panties no me neither I mean like if you're supposed to be like seeing someone's panties but just like you know if I'm walking down the street and you have to like drop your kid and bend over (laughs) exactly what if we there's a time and the place for seeing your panties, but yeah, it's like, you know, when you're sitting in front of me, just, you know, because you're, you have a three inch inseam, that's not the time. Um, but yeah, there's, yeah, I forgot how lovely the hey, fashion man, I was miss a lot of it. I, I, in 1997. I don't miss like Xander's ugly. No, sweaters. but it's, it's back. Like, um, I don't miss those. But, like, there's a lot yeah. of stuff that Buffy wears where I was like, oh, I had a shirt that was like that. I miss that shirt. <laughs> well, I mean, you can actually purchase a lot of it again. Um, because at least when I was doing my mm-hmm. back-to-school shopping last year. Yeah. And when you could freely wander stores. Um, yeah. Everything in the stores was either fashion from 1975 <laughs> or 1995. Like yeah, every single thing in the store really was, yeah. yeah. And apparently, right now, everything at Target <laughs> is um, children of the corn, <laughs> children of the corn, little house on the prairie meets, yeah, yeah murder house, and um, yeah, crushed velvet Vogue is that like Vogue goth aesthetic? We can bring back it's real weird, go- Vogue goth stuff. I remember. Yeah, but it's like it's like Delia's like Vogue goth aesthetic, like the little kids section of Target looks like the Delia's catalog barfed in uh, it. I remember it's when weird. Charlotte Russe used to have like a whole giant wall of corsets, and it was just like that's what you wore. You wore a corset and jeans. Oh, those were the days. Oh yeah. Well, everybody's prom dress had like the corset top. And then the poopy Those princess skirts. Those were the days of Buffy. Which you got a Buffy award, didn't you? Such a good fucking show. Um, I did indeed get the Buffy <laughs> award for gothic excellence. Yeah. I feel like did. that's worth mentioning to I, our listeners every once in a while. I may or may not also have worn a crushed velvet cloak um, over my uh, <laughs> over my dress to a award ceremony uh-huh. in high school. Uh-huh. Also, may or may not have been the same year that somebody asked me if I was a witch and they could bu- if they could <laughs> borrow my spell book. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 
Side note, if you're that chick, fuck you. <laughs> uh, no, you don't yeah. loan that shit out to anybody. Good times. Oh, or you just make up bullshit spells that require them to do fucking ridiculous things and then be like, here you that go. Fuck you. Just like that. <laughs> it was. Mm-hmm. So do you have a Buffy story for us? Oh, I'm excited. So I have choices for you. Okay. So you have choice one. Um, because, you know, straight up Buffy fanfic is fanfic but unless you have a deep and abiding mm-hmm. rewatch love of Buffy which, you know which I do um, it can be okay. like you know deep diving so your choices okay. are a well wow. Buffy office crossover yeah. well it's not really a crossover it. but it's a Buffy office fic or you have a Buffy the Vampire Slayer Big Brother. I, I, I gotta go with The Office. Which we can no longer All watch right. because it's not on Netflix. Uh, yeah, that is true. Yeah. You have to I'm go not- with Peacock. Or buy or spend like 20 bucks and get it um, all of the seasons digitally on Vudu and watch it <laughs> whenever you, you want. Which is what we did. There you go. Totally worth it. All right. So I have a story for you. So this is um, from, actually, you have your choice of fanfiction.net or Archive of Our Own. You can find it either place. Um, By Bigger Staff Bunch. All one word. Bigger Staff Bunch. In which Buffy the Vampire Slayer (laughs) makes Dwight cry. Okay. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Please do enjoy. Since Jim had that talk with Dwight, you think things can't be good, but they have to be better. You think this because Dwight doesn't stick his head under his desk and cry anymore. And there aren't any odd sounds coming from the men's bathroom either. And even though Dwight still treats Andy like a bug on the bottom of his shoe, it's okay, Rip, because really, Dwight treats everyone like that. There's still the occasional acidic glance whenever Angela does her weird, stiff, flirty thing over the cat Andy gave her. But other than that, Dwight really seems to be ignoring the fact that he ever had his heart broken at all. Which is good. And you're glad. Everyone deserves to be happy. Even Dwight. No, you think, resolutely. Especially Dwight. It's weird that Dwight was ever lovelorn over a woman in the first place, yet... And you don't tell anyone this because you're pretty sure it's really, really embarrassing. It's weirder how upset it made you to see him like that. From the first day you figured out he and Angela were ducking behind buildings to hide their strange, strangely perfect relationship, Dwight stopped being the annoying, overbearing, very neurotic third in command. Okay, he didn't actually stop being all those things, but you stopped seeing him as only that. Dwight formed layers. Dwight was in love, and it was sort of awesome. It gave you hope in a way, when not a lot of not a lot else did. And then Angela dumped him. You don't know the story behind that one, but you're almost positive it had something to do with a cat, the Bible, or Dwight's unhealthy love of Michael Scott. No matter what, though, you're sure it wasn't enough to warrant putting that look on his face. Bottom line is. 
Someone like Dwight shouldn't ever be too sad to celebrate a sales victory over a computer that's inexplicably become sentient and all-knowing. It's just not right. Over pizza and Dr. Pepper on the roof of Dunder Mifflin, Jim asked you why you cared so much. You didn't answer because you weren't quite sure what to say, but it's like this. Sometimes you think back to the time when you were drowning in all that before Jim was your boyfriend angst, and Dwight bobs in like an awful, wonderful little buoy, and he patted your back and tried his own awful, wonderful methods to make you feel better, and it was still horrible, but in a small, totally meaningful way, it wasn't. It wasn't horrible that one second of prying into your hands in an empty hallway while Dwight, Dwight of all people, comforted you. You decide privately that this is probably where all the goodwill is coming from. Anything else, like the fact that you might actually like Dwight as a person, a real person who doesn't get faxes from the receptionist and believe they're from the CIA, who doesn't keep a bobblehead of himself on his desk, a real actual person. Well, it's just too strange to consider. So, as conversation starters go, it's a little lame. Because maybe you have a backbone now, but you're still kind of used to Jim Halpert, the unrequited love. So Jim Halpert, the boyfriend, is new enough that you turn into Miss Awkward Paws around him sometimes. But it's okay. With Jim of any kind, the conversation makes itself. And hey, he's sort of Mr. Awkward Paws by default now, isn't he? You think he'd probably like that if you ever told him, which you won't. Because girlfriend or not, sometimes inner monologues are inner for a reason. This you know for a fact. So, Jim echoes, and his hand reaches down to casually entwine with yours. You're sitting on the couch, back against Jim chest, Jim's chest, and you're cozy, all curled up next to the guy you've wanted for pretty much ever. His breath is warm against your neck, and you're warm in a different way, because you've just spent an hour making out with him on the overstuffed love seat an hour? while Conan blared in the an background. Hour? It's are, nice. Aren't you little... aren't you yep. chapped? An hour. Aren't you, like, all out of saliva after I'm... an hour? An hour? Wow. Apparently you're just warm. Maybe I'm like I don't fun, but I don't want yeah. an hour of making out. Yeah, I know. I mean, unless there's like breaks. Yeah. No. Like lots I don't of even breaks. Want that. <laughs> I, if, like, yeah. if making out, I mean, I don't know. I've been married a while now. Like making out just yeah. starts nah. somewhere and ends somewhere very different. So. <laughs> It's just a pe- uh, right? uh, uh, yeah. It's just a trailer. So I don't want to spend that much time doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe when you were like nineteen. Yeah. All right. Um, it's nice this little slice of domesticity in a way you're sure being with Roy never was or could have been. Also, you're eating a lot more Italian food lately. And you hate that somewhere on the beet farm, Dwight is either reading Moe's into fright and hysterics <laughs> or baying at the moon. Dwight's relapsed is the problem. This morning, Andy finally got Angela to go on an actual public date with him. Dwight made it through the first 10 minutes of Andy's elaborately planned request for her hand. And then he got up and hurled the stereo, which was still blaring cutting crew at a frankly inappropriate volume out the window. The rest of the day was spent with you and Jim alternating shifts by the door to the side stairwell, listening for the sound of Dwight unceremoniously throwing himself down the steps. Currently, the lights are low in Jim's apartment, and the music is inspired. 
normally you'd feel nervous anticipation about that mood lighting and Barry in the CD player, though it's Copacabana and not Let's Get Busy. But you're too busy worrying about Dwight again. Jim, you asked, tilting your chin to look up at him. Do you think it's dumb to think we should do something for Dwight? Jim's eyes are dark and kind in the shadows. I think, he says slowly, that you're pretty incredible for thinking about it at all. Incredible in a creepy way? You ask hesitantly, trying not to look too much like too much hinges on the answer. He breathes out in a chuckle, brushing his lips across your hairline. Oh, only in a creepy way that's totally endearing, Beasley, he confirms. You grin in response, unable to stop yourself from giving him a kiss and lamely loving the little thrill at how you're allowed to do that now before settling back against his chest. Okay, you say satisfied. That's good then. It's Jim's idea to invite Dwight over for a television marathon. Jim phrases it differently, of course. He calls it an opportunity to enlighten him to Dwight's supposedly superior tastes. Bring over your all-time favorite show, Jim suggests. Convince me of the cool. Dwight gives Jim a suspicious, wary look and asks him which genres are off limits. Jim spreads his hands out in resignation and says, none, Dwight. That's the beauty of this thing. It's like I'm contractually bound to watch anything. The glee in Dwight's eyes momentarily shines back to life. And for that, you think it's almost worth it that if he makes Jim sign an actual contract. Jim gives the camera a wide-eyed blank stare when Jim finally agrees, but you catch the secret grins that flicker across both their faces when the camera swings away, and it makes you feel sort of bubbly with affection, like a really fond soda. Strictly for male bonding purposes, Jim answers easily when you ask him why he agreed to and even suggested basically three hours of sci-fi mayhem by way of Battlestar Galactica. Now, I wouldn't expect you to understand, little lady, and he slings his arm around your shoulders. But something about laser guns and explosions in the middle of uh, space just speaks to this truly masculine heart. Epic battles between alien races make everything around here. He gestures vaguely to his chest that much better. You give him a dubious look. Bet all the females in spandex help, you say. Jim's arms tighten around your shoulders and you duck your head against the crook of his neck. And somehow you both know you're hiding stupid grins. Only the hot females in spandex, he says sagely, and you decide that's fine. You'd probably take a crack at Deanna Troy given the chance, if Star Trek was at all real. And you were a lesbian, which, of course, you're sort of baffled at why you have to keep clarifying this to the documentary crew. You're not. Okay. Uh, you're about to tell Jim this just to see what his expression will be when he says in a way too casual voice, so I was thinking we should do this thing at your place. Maybe if you weren't. You pull back and give him a speculative look. What happened to male bonding, you ask? <coughs> Space and explosions and stuff only the truly masculine heart could understand. Jim sighs. Well, behind every great man is a really good woman. And there are sparkly spaceships for you to look at. His eyes twinkle. Besides, your TV is way bigger. You bite your lip and pretend to think it over. Fine, you can see, but bring popcorn. He nods solemnly, and when you drop him off, you give him a wave and tell him you'll see him soon. He beams the grin back, and as you drive away, you can't help but think how this is a big step. Over the summer, there was a lot of casual hanging out between you and Jim, and maybe some necking on the couch, but nothing official. He's never been there like he had a right to be there, an entitlement like a boyfriend. And now he will be, because of Dwight. <laughs> you muse. And that's pretty much that for a very long while. This, this, does this story have Buffy in Buffy it? the Vampire. 
Dude, that's my next, like, literally the next sentence. Buffy the Vampire, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You can't help is the surprise that shoots through you when you glimpse the DVD in Dwight's hand. But I watch that show, you say, stunned. Jim in the background stops shaking the popcorn bag. Then you have shockingly adequate taste, Pam. Dwight retorts, peering past your shoulder. Helper, he waves his DVDs. Prepare to be convinced. Hey, Dwight, Jim greets, looking right behind you. The popcorn smell, buttery and delicious, permeates the air, and Dwight sniffs curiously. He gives the popcorn bag a hungry look, and Jim looks down. Here you go, buddy. He offers cautiously. In a situation like Dwight's, heartache trumps hunger. Your hunger, that is. And since you and Jim are in a way better place emotionally, feeding Dwight it is. He snatches the bag from Jim and strides into your living room, casting his eye around critically. Second-rate architecture, but a vibrant sense of color. Interesting juxtaposition of lace and mahogany with the doilies near China cabinet. He gives a short nod. Acceptable. Now, come on. We've got three seasons of vampires slaying, monster-killing, sword-striking heroism to slog through. Buffy isn't getting any less dead the longer you two dwaddle. Three seasons? Really? Jim asks at the same time you ask. Oh, which seasons? Dwight finds the living room with disturbing ease, flashing the DVD cases. Seasons two, five, and six. It fits my viewing mood. Don't question my choices, Pam. He gives you a twitchy but pleading sort of look, and you rub your arm. You can feel Jim's questioning gaze as Dwight leans forward and fiddles with your DVD player. Buffy kills her boyfriend at the end of season two. She dies at the end of season five, and she's sucked out of heaven in season six, you tell Jim. Jim's eyebrows climb to new heights, and you both turn to look at Dwight. He must be really depressed. Yeah, Jim says, looking troubled. Yep, he must be. His hand squeezes yours for a moment, then he bounds forward, sitting on the couch next to Dwight, jiggling his knees enthusiastically, a smile pasted across his face. The soda's back warmth fizzing your insides as you circle the couch and sit next to Dwight. Dwight, you ask softly, because you notice that he stiffened up as soon as you sat down. So why'd you choose Puffy instead of Battlestar, he interrupts. While Galactica is a clever social commentary, Buffy speaks to the heart in a way Gaius Baltar cannot. Because when it comes to comparing metaphors, metaphors, love is hell always wins when compared to Cylons as Nazi-like beings bent on solving the, quote, human emotion, unquote. He turns back to the TV, his fingers still in that weird, quote, unquote, position. Okay, Jim says after a long moment, great. The theme song begins, and slowly, you and Jim lower Dwight's tense, crooked fingers to his lap. That episode was an introduction to the the one great epic love of Buffy Summers, Teen Slayer. Jim begins, a heavy hour later. It's probably not the best choice. His eyes are dumbstruck and disbelieving, and he has this adorable furrow of confusion right under the flippy ends of his hair up front. I disagree, Jim, Dwight says stiffly. He's sprawled back on the couch. Somewhere over the course of the episode, Dwight kept sinking farther and farther into the cushions, and now he's spread eagle, his long legs sticking out awkwardly in front of him. Oh yeah, Dwight? Jim asked indulgently, leaning back a little. His arms draped across the back of the couch, fingers loosely linked with yours. Why's that? Dwight clenches his fist, because surprise is an episode where the heroine bears her heart and body to her lover, and consequently turns him into a soulless monster who is indifferent to her yearning. Her desperate attempts at reconciliation. It's sick what relationships do to a person. His eyes are watery behind his glasses, and you shift uncomfortably. (laughs) Not always, you say softly. Sometimes it turns out like I will remember you. 
Dwight's eyes slant to meet yours and his fist relaxes, fingers drumming on his thigh. They had to turn back the clock. It was like the day never existed, he mumbled, miserable. You're very bad at cheering me up, Pam. You put your other hand on top of Dwight's restless fingers. The point is it happened, Dwight, you say earnestly. And just because there was pain and sadness and a lot of wishing they had all that wasted time back afterwards, they would have been stupid and empty and meaningless if it hadn't happened in the first place. You blink, and for a second, you're seeing Jim kissing you in the dark and tears streaking in his, down his face in a, t uh, a terrible, shiny silver and the torn up wedding invitations and an empty desk and then Karen and Roy in a beach where words poured from your mouth like a river. And now Jim's fingers tighten around yours and you open your eyes, fiercely glad for a moment, for this moment, even with all the things had to come before it. Hey, Jim says, I, for one, sort of want to see some more of this doom love story. Next episode, Dwight grabs the remote. I knew you'd be a Bengal supporter, he grumbles. A treacly and uninspired match, he sniffs. Signature Halbert. I support the Spuffy movement, and with good reason. Spike was the epitome of a once mighty lion brought to fall <laughs> by, by love's evil sway. You raise your eyebrows at this, and the other side of the couch, Jim grins and mouths Spuffy at you. I like Spike, you offer, but I kind of thought Buffy and Angel were meant to be. Well, he says grimly, selecting passions with a relish that makes you wince. We'll see about that. It's well past midnight by the time Dwight has given you and Jim a crash course in the Buffy and Angel train wreck of love. And oh, crash course, train wreck. You'll have to tell Jim that a snore cuts through your thoughts and your eyelids snap open. In the blue glare of an idle DVD screen casting an eerie glow over Dwight's sleeping face. His mouth is open as he breathes noisily in and out, and a little bit of drool lines the edge of his lips. You shake your head groggily. Dwight's having a sleepover at your house. Jim won't ever stop laughing when he finds out. Jim, that's right. Jim's here, too. This is the second time in a week you and he are having a sleepover in a place where Dwight is in a near vicinity. This thought should disturb you, but it's oddly comforting. That disturbs you. You peek over Jim's Dwight's rising chest after a moment. He's staring at you, his expression patently um, amused. You smile, the tenseness in your muscles easing. Hi, he whisper. Hi, he whispers back. He motions to the door and you nod, carefully getting up so as to not disturb the sleeping shroot. The air outside is crisp, the encroaching fall letting its presence be known in Lackawanna County. It'll be nice to paint the colors this autumn, you think. Last year, you were too occupied to really enjoy the leaves turning, but now... Jim's arms wrap around you and the hollow punch of his heartbeat against your ear makes you close your eyes involuntarily. Before, I made a funny pun in my head, you murmur, your fingers in your sleeves, and your sleeves resting on top of Jim's folded hands. Is that right, he asks, chin resting against your crown, punning Pam Beasley, the punmeister, good for you. Thanks, you say with a yawn. Sorry, long day. It really was. Fridays are always crazy at the office. Fridays are usually when Michael brainstorms his wackier ideas, and you're always stuck taking notes on things like staff visit to prison or vending machine <laughs> parties, merchandise not included. Watching the emo to end all emo probably didn't help. And Jim's voice is as close to complaint as you've ever heard it. I mean, she fell in love and then he turned on her and she turned on him. And by the end, one of them's in hell and the other one is all alone. And that was the suckiest ending I've ever seen, ever. You nod. Probably the point, you say quietly. Season two is really good for dwelling. I should know, you think, remembering your own season two <laughs> DVD tucked under your bed. 
Did, did you dwell a lot, Pam? Jim asks, and his voice is just as quiet as yours. You sigh and drag your thumb across Jim's wrist. I mean, I just realized that I never knew, you know, how bad it was for you back then after. And that sucks for me not to have asked. It sucked for me not to tell um, you offer. And you're so over all the accusations and what ifs and dreams. But he's because he's here finally. And that's what matters. <sighs> I watch season two on repeat for a bit. You finally say by the time I finally turned the DVD off, the show was over. TV is just TV, Jim. And I have this life now. You know, he does. You sit on the stoop and watch the stars with him inside. Dwight sleeps on. I want to see season one, Jim says, as the sun begins to filter into the kitchen. It's with an artist's eye that you can appreciate how blue his eyes are right now or how wildly his hair curls up in the back. Your fingers twitch, and for a moment, you're mortified you're going to ruffle his hair. And then you realize you don't have to be mortified anymore, so you reach up and ruffle it. And the way his smile crinkles up makes his... Um, but the way his smile crinkles up his whole face makes your coffee you're drinking go down that much warmer than usual. I'll let you borrow my DVDs you offer, swinging your arm gently. You can watch the whole way through. I'd rather watch it with you, he says, looking at you steadily over the rim of your cup, over the rim of his cup, not yours, that'd be weird. Actually, I'd rather watch it with you and Dwight. He makes a face. That's, that's 12 hours of Dwight that I actually want to spend <laughs> with Dwight. You nod seriously. The universe works in mysterious, sometimes appalling ways. The sound of Dwight's snoring drifts softly through the apartment. I think, you sigh, picking at the peeling lacquer on your kitchen table, that Buffy was a bad idea, though. Season two was draining. Can you imagine another night going through this, except with death and resurrection as the <coughs> overarching themes this time? Both you and Jim suppress a shudder. No, Jim says a minute later. I can see how that would not be a fun sleepover. He tilts his head. But I feel like I have to help somehow. Because the thing is, whether I like it or not, Dwight's my person. Other than you, I mean. But he fidgets, then grabs your hand. Okay, so look. With Andy, I put a calculator in his jello the first week I was at Stanford. And you know what he did? Screamed a lot, you guess? Or kicked something? Jim looks startled. Well, yeah, actually he did. All of the above. But Dwight, he just complains to Michael, right? Or uses similarly underhanded tactics. Why? Because we have a system. We understand each other. A shadow of a smile passed over his lips. Better than actually thought lately. You give a shadow smile too. Last year, you began carefully. When you and Karen had that fight over the apartment after I helped you make up, I ended up crying in the stairwell. I don't know why. It was really dumb, but I just, I couldn't deal with it for some reason and then Jim's cutting you off with a kiss. <laughs> did you add in like the earlier this week? Yourself? Except this time, there's coffee slush. <laughs> I did. Sorry, I was like, that was no, me. Why is Pam um, saying barf to kissing Jim? No, sorry. Aside barf. Um, it's just like earlier this week. Except this time, there's coffee sloshing across the table. Oh, <gasps> they're wasting coffee, and the angle's all awkward. Um, but still, there it is. The hot press of Sorry, the hot press of his mouth and the cradle of his big hand and the tightness strung through his jaw like he wants to say something, but this is the only way he can speak. <laughs> You're okay with that, though, because sometimes this is the only way you can speak, too. You pass your fingers over your lips as Jim cleans up the coffee spill. Wasting coffee, Jim Albert. Disappointed. Somewhere outside, a bird chirps. 
Dwight gave me his handkerchief. He blurted the words out. He saw me crying. Jim flinches and you barrel on. And he sat with me. And so, you know, I feel like Dwight and I understand each other. You pick at your nail. He's my person, too. Jim smiles at you thoughtfully. Our person. Look at that. And it's true. Jim, Dwight's your person and he's Jim's person. And you're both going to help him together. So, yeah. Look at that. The end. And that is the story. Yeah, that's the end. In which Buffy the Vampire Slayer makes Dwight cry. Label was misleading. (laughs) It was. Yes. I feel like it was. But I like... So it wasn't as Buffy as it was Office. But I enjoy the analysis of Buffy used to... um, Used by Dwight to rationalize his deep-seated angst over yeah, his breakup with Angela. That was um, extremely well done. So, good job um, whoever wrote it. I forgot their name. Right. Bigger Staff Bunch. Good, good job, Bigger, bigger Staff, staff Bunch. bunch. Yes. <laughs> that <Yeah>. one. Yay! <laughs> but, and then next time we will move on from Buffy to discuss my favorite of all yes. favorites, Nick Cage. And also, as well as, I have a story that I, I can't wait to tell you and Hannah about that has to deal with uh, David Hasselhoff. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, now I'm doubly excited. Yep, it's so a it's Hasselhoff a Hasselhoff Cage, Cage kind of night? Heck yes. That's going to be epic. So tune in next time for a double Yay. feature of Hasselhoff and Cage. All right. no, Until then, home. stay Do classy. That's <laughs> right. Stay home. Do, Do shit. shit. Do home <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's right. Follow us on Instagram. Yeah. Fanfic fantastic. Yeah. All that kind I, of good shit. I support Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Stay fresh, cheese bags.